0: We'll
3: be Here's the latest on that situation that Karen Stewart has been alluding to at the 36th Street subway station in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. We have reports of multiple people shot there. The fire department says they were called to the scene for a smoke condition a little before 830. When they got there, they found multiple gunshot victims. They also found what they're calling several undetonated devices at that same location. Obviously, a lot going on there and uh, massive disruption to transit as well. We'll update you on that in just a moment again. And multiple people shot at the 36th Street subway station on Sunset Park, Brooklyn. We're attempting to gather more information on that, and of course, we will update you.
4: And then to the strap hangers, people who say they're tired of the speeches, tired of the weekly, fired up, haven't uh, had enough proclamations, they say, and now they're waiting on something, anything to put a stop to it all. Newsman Glenn Shuck with reaction tonight.
5: Terrified strap hangers running through these subway tunnels to get to the 25th Street, 4th Avenue exit, just hoping to get back to street level in some kind of safety. Yahya Ibrahim works in the northeast corner.
1: I saw a lot of people coming out of the train, screaming, yelling. I believe it was a lady injured. She got shot in the leg. Um, she was asking for help. Thanks, God, for the 72nd precinct. They came out, you know, the cops came out of nowhere, and um, it was crazy to see all this.
5: And across the street, managing his deli, Yahia Suleiman also running out to see victims screaming for help. The three people, they were all, uh, it looked like they had gunshot wounds to their legs because I seen bullet hole and I seen the blood. A morning they certainly will never forget here. Glenshock, 1010 wins, 4th Avenue in Sunset Park.
6: Gunman responsible for this morning's mass shooting on an N train in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, remains at large this afternoon. And police are asking the public for help in sharing any video you may have from the 36th Street D, N, and R station where the attack erupted on an N train just before 8.30. Ten people were shot and wounded. Five are in critical condition. Another six people suffered various injuries. We have team coverage this afternoon. Ten Ten Wind reporter Samantha Liebman has the very latest on the investigation. The FDNY
7: responding to the Thirty Sixth Street station just before eight thirty. Video sent to Ten Ten Wind shows a Manhattan bound N train pulling in. The screams of terrorized passengers, some limping with injuries as smoke pours out of the train car, police commissioner Keyshawn Sewell.
8: An individual on that train donned what appeared to be a gas mask. He then took a canister out of his bag and opened it. The train at that time began to fill
6: with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people. At least 10 people shot, five critical, dozens injured. Nearby schools put on lockdown. Police saying no explosives
7: found on the subway, but an active shooter now roaming the streets of the city. A male black, approximately 5 feet, 5 inches tall, with a heavy build. He was wearing a green
8: construction type vest and a hooded sweatshirt. The color is gray.
6: The NYPD says
7: it doesn't appear terror-related. Samantha Liebman, 1010 Winds, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn.
6: Carol Dioria is at Maimonides Medical Center in Borough Park, where five of the patients were taken. Carol has more for us in this live report.
9: And Lori, those five people you mentioned, they were all in pretty good condition, nobody critical, everybody stable. So of the five, we had three people who were released um, pretty soon after they arrived from, uh, at Maimonides Hospital. They were people who suffered exposure. Remember, this gunman had uh, put on a gas mask, and then he opened up a canister, and this smoky, gaseous substance was released into the air. We have no idea what it is, but however, when they were brought here to the hospital, they were looked at, checked out, and uh, Dr. John Marshall, who heads the emergency room, says they were okay to be released, so it couldn't have been uh, too toxic, the uh, stuff in the in the uh, gas. Then we had two people who were brought here with gunshot wounds, and he said they're going to be okay as well. Uh, he said he couldn't tell if it was actually a bullet or a graze wound, but it was a, a gunshot injury nonetheless, serious enough for them to be admitted, and uh, he says they're going to recuperate just fine. Their families are here. He doesn't expect any problems with that. So uh, when you take that uh, look at this, we're in pretty good shape over here. He said the hospital was well prepared. Carol Dioria, 1010 wins Live outside Maimonides Medical Center on Fort Hamilton Parkway. The big news out of Brooklyn. Five people shot,
8: 13 now injured. At the 36th Street subway station in Sunset Park, where firefighters also found unexploded devices on scene, we've got Sam Carcamo with us on the line. Sam, you're live on 1010 Winds. So you were at the scene and saw what happened?
10: Yeah, so I was on the R train that's connecting to the N on my way to work. And uh, as we were pulling into the station, when the door for the N train opened up, a gigantic billow of smoke just poured out of the train. Okay. Um, And then after that, I saw people running away from it. And I figured, I've lived in New York my entire life, that there's probably a fight going on. But there were way too many people. And I was seeing people, like, flee with fear that I don't think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, people were falling to the floor and like pulling themselves away. And then um, nobody knew what was going on, and we started to approach the middle of the platform. And then, like uh, there you can see in the first video that I had put up, uh, there was just a dude laying in a pool of blood, um, just not moving with someone around him. And then there was a lot of commotion where uh, just uh, MTA employees piled us onto the R train to get away, and then we started talking, trying to figure out what was going on uh there were people covered in other people's blood one of the girls i was talking to was wearing a white sweater and she told me that she's going to go home and burn it um then we we got to the 25th street station there was um just a man started like screaming out and i don't think he had realized he had been shot up until that point uh just an older asian man who was uh, screaming about how he's going to die and then he just like kind of stumbled down um we got Everybody that we saw that was injured uh, was about three people into a single car. Um, we were calling to see if anyone had any kind of medical attention. Um, I was just hearing stories. Someone was saying that uh, they, someone opened fire in the car, someone opened fire on the platform, that there was a, someone lit a fire in the train. Uh, so we just really didn't know what was going on. Uh, I definitely saw at least six or eight critically injured people today. Um, and it was a while until, like, we were able to actually, like, stop and have the the, the police uh, just get down there into the station. So it was a just a very hectic morning. So, <laughs> so uh, more of a Gotham City morning than a New well, York City morning.
8: Well, that's an yeah, you can you can say that again. So you didn't actually hear any gunshots fired. This had happened prior to when the subway doors opened and smoke poured out.
10: The, the subway doors my subway door opened into just like calamity and then it was people just running to get away from whatever was happening uh and then it was just smoke and blood and just people screaming
8: okay, so you were on a train that then pulled into the thirty sixth street station am I understanding this correctly I was yeah I was on a
10: connecting train connecting that train just pulled in as the everything was happening in the train across from us we could see like I was able to see that something was going on before the doors had opened. Okay, so I just you had no didn't, idea what was going on.
8: So you didn't actually then get out at that subway station. You just you stayed on and you were onto the next,
10: sub, yeah, next we subway. Yeah, we all separated stop. back onto the R train and then moved to Twenty Fifth Street, where we were all held for a little bit right. as they tried to get the people that were injured uh, out into safety.
8: And so, and so, to your observation, how quickly did responders? when you guys pulled in, the doors open, you see this mass chaos. Well, Were responders already on scene?
10: The MTA responded immediately, uh, within like, I don't know, a few minutes, but it did take a while for the for the NYCD and for the paramedics to get down get to the station and then down into the station. It was probably it was at least ten minutes, maybe fifteen.
8: And how bad was the smoke?
10: The smoke was bad enough uh, the entire train car was obscured where you could not see inside of it. Mm-hmm So, like, from my perspective, looking into the train, it was nothing but a smoke cloud.
8: And how quickly did the train you were on, you know, get out of Dodge, get out of there with, you know, were folks then running onto your train
10: to, like... Five, six minutes. Really? People, like, they ran off the train, onto the station, from the station into the train. Then we were told to get onto the train because the train would be leaving the station, and that would be for our safety.
8: Okay. Right. As opposed to getting out onto the platform. And then did some people get out onto the platform and try to just go up to the street?
10: I'm not sure. What, um, what I was at the far at, end of the train. Right. So the far end of the train doesn't have an exit. Mm-hmm. The back of the train has an exit. So, so I was at the far end at the front. Uh, it seemed like the, I was at the second car. where the um, That was where the same thing was happening on the end train. So it was in the second, third car of the front that any of the violence was happening. Right, and
8: could with all that smoke, could you breathe?
10: I could breathe, but I definitely, like, it was, like, the smell was, like, it wasn't enough to obscure my vision on the platform, but, like, you could smell that it wasn't an electrical fire. And then, like, I've had some experience shooting uh, firearms, and I know that they don't make that much smoke. It was just too much smoke. It either had to have been, like, Something like a fire, or something. I heard that it was like someone. I've heard that there's reports of like that there was explosives. It had to be something like that. Right. It wasn't they, an electrical fire. It just didn't it didn't have the right kind of smoke. It was too dark. And so, what
8: were you thinking at that moment?
10: Yeah, I feel bad. There was a woman I was with who was wearing white, covered in someone else's blood. There was just a lot mm. of just upset people everywhere. There were kids going to school trying to figure out what was going. On. It was a lot.
8: Yeah. How, how do you feel right now?
10: I'm okay. I've talked to my mother. I'm going to go home and kind of just take the day. And I told her that if I'm just like can't get stuff out of my head, I'm going to talk to her a little bit later. and Maybe go see her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's just uh, not what I was expecting. I woke up extra early, tried to get to work extra early, and uh, ended up with this uh, awful morning.
6: Kenneth Foot Smith. He was a witness to what happened this morning. Mr. Footsmith, thank you for joining us. Why don't you set the scene for us. Where were you and what did you see this morning?
11: So, uh, first off, good morning. Uh, oh, good afternoon. Second off, um, I get on the train at the 8th Ave stop. That is a stop before 56 and two stops before 36th Street. Between 56th and 36th Street is where this I guess, event occurred today. Um, I got on the train, as I always do. This is my main train. I take to and from work. Um, I sit always in the front car at the very front of the train. And um, nothing, you know, normal day, normal morning, until we start leaving the 56th Street station. Um, About halfway through going there, um, we're at a point in the tunnel where there's no signals. It's completely dark, pretty much. Um, I'm standing there in this car. It's not too filled with my headphones on, and I hear a really loud bang, almost like class shattering, but it wasn't a normal subway noise, so I took my headphones off uh, to see if the noise happened again, but after the bang, everyone on my train car got up and quickly moved to the front of the car, and I was a little confused, and so I looked towards the end of the car where they ran from, and I see this white smoke filling up the train car behind me. Um, and then I hear this banging noise, like bang, bang, and then I kind of looked a little bit more, and there's a guy on the, there's a small little platform in between the train cars where you can open the doors and kind of stand. There's a gentleman on that platform trying to open the door that leads to our train car, and he's banging all his might, using all his strength to open it, But it won't open, Um, and we see the smoke kind of continue to fill the car, and then we see people's faces start banging against the glass, and they're banging on it too, and they're screaming. So we have no idea what's going on, and then the train makes a stop. There's always a stop. I think it's a signal stop right before the 36th Street station. And at that stop, we heard, bop, 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 real quick, three or four quick, Loud noises, Um, and right after the noises, the screaming increased, the urgency in which this man was trying to open the door to our car increased. There's more people's faces against their uh, train door, screaming for help. They're banging even harder. Um, And a gentleman in our car eventually decides to go up and try and open the train door so we can let these people in because we still don't know why, what's going on. Um, we're pleading with the conductor, please, like, get this train moving. Something is happening behind us. We need to get to the platform. Um, so we do move after the longest 30 seconds of anyone's life on that train. And we pull up to the station, the doors open, and everyone floods out the train. Everyone's looking at the smoked-out train, and people are stumbling over each other, screaming, bomb, gun, he's shooting, Get down. Um, and there's maybe 200 people on the platform now. Um, some are surging towards the stairs at the opposite end to get away. I'm at the opposite end of the platform because I'm in the very first train car. So I hide behind a column to kind of see what's going on, see if I can get better visuals. And about a minute of being on the platform in absolute chaos. I mean, people are stumbling over each other, there's people bleeding, there's crying, mass, mass hysteria. Um, one of the conductors, the actual conductor who was driving my original N train, yells at everyone, get on the local R train, because as we pulled up, the local train across from us pulled up as well. Everyone who's not running for the stairs piles into the R train.
4: And our coverage continues into that senseless shooting this morning uh, on a subway platform in Sunset Park. We are on the phone live right now or on the news line live with Jano Lieber, who's the chairman of the MTA. Been a very busy day for you today, sir. Appreciate you joining us.
2: Yes, Larry. Good to be with you. Hey,
4: listen. OK, so and I'm not taking a pot shot or anything, but typically, you know, even if there is a shooting or some incident underneath the stairs. And I'll use this as a reference under the stairs of, a, of an apartment building in a laundry room in a NYCHA subway or, or, or NYCHA subcomplex. There's always a camera there. So the big question, General, where was the camera in this? Why are we not seeing any pictures of this clown who did all of this today?
2: Well, you may, Larry, because we have 10,000, almost 10,000 cameras in the system, including 600 just on the Brooklyn section of the N train. So there's a lot of different stations, a lot of different cameras. If NYPD is looking at with our team, and it's probably too early to say what they're coming up with. But there are a lot of different options to identify where this a bad guy came in or exited the system. We're looking at it. Okay.
4: So it's not to say that there are no pictures of him, but they're just not out there yet is what you're telling us.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, this is an ongoing investigation. It's, it's premature to, to get into the, you know, the very, very specifics, but there's a lot of, a lot of cameras out there on that line and a lot to look at.
4: Okay. You know, a lot of people are restless and trying to figure it out. Hey, we had a witness tell us the suspect appeared to be in MTA clothing. You know anything about that? Any
2: indication this guy was an employee, maybe? No. I, what I, I heard something about that he was wearing a a, a Dayglow construction vest and something else that might suggest he was a construction worker. Really, we don't know at this point. Although, as I said, the NYPD is all over this. They are just combing through all the evidence. I was on the platform after the incident took place, after the press conference the police commissioner and the governor held, and they're just combing through the evidence both at the station and everywhere else. So it's it's early to declare anything about this investigation and where it's headed. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, why this station? Anybody
4: figure out why? Does this place appear to have been targeted or whatever, 36th Street?
2: You know, years? we, we uh, there is no indication of why that might be. I think you've got all the information that i do which is that obviously as they pulled in on this northbound and into the station um they, these uh, smoke bombs went off in the car and then uh, unfortunately this there seems to have been uh, you know guns fire or you know not guns plural but there makes me bullets flying so so that's all we know at this point why what the motivation of this maniac may or may not have been is way premature to uh, to say but just because I know your folks uh, pay attention to uh, traffic and transit, we are operating service. So the CIF system is recovering and um, not not literally every station, but virtually all of the subway service is going to be operating this evening, just like we did three hours after the water stopped in, in Hurricane Ida. Yeah,
4: that was my next question. We fully restored now. Are we still working on it.
2: we got little gaps. I don't want to get specific, but folks should go to mta.info and to the MyMTA app, get full information. But we are running very robust service on almost every every part of the system.
4: Okay. I hear that you all were giving out props to your workers this morning for moving those trains out of that station, other trains that were in that station, obviously, uh, and getting people out of harm's way. How would you assess your people? They uh, textbook this morning? Listen, you know...
2: Again, we you know MTA workers showed up right through the dark days of COVID, and they showed up again today when they made the fast uh, move to move that R train out of the station when they saw that there was something bad going on, and they got a lot of people out of harm's way very quickly. Kudos to them. I've spoken to both the conductor and the motorman who are on that train to give them a big thank you for all New Yorkers.
4: Okay. And Mr. Chairman, tell us that you'll give us a call or somebody will let us know the minute you come up with video of this guy so we can put it on our website, sir.
2: You bet. We always do. You know, we, 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 we do seem to always be able to turn out pictures of these, the the kooks who do the bad stuff. So we'll, we'll be doing, sharing that as soon as we got it. Okay. Busy day ahead and a
4: busy, a busy day and a busy night ahead. Jan Lieber, the chairman of the MTA. Thanks for joining us, sir. We appreciate you. Always a pleasure.
1: news all the time. This is 1010 Winds, New York.
7: Good morning. We have sunshine, but it is cold out there. 28 degrees at 10 o'clock. I'm Bridget Quinn. Here's what's happening. The deadliest fire in the city since Happy Land. Nineteen people, including nine children, are dead. Tintin Nguyen spoke live with Mayor Adams about the charge that firefighters were understaffed because of COVID. You'll hear that coming right up on Newsline. Plus, our Glenn Chuck on the scene and the suspected cause of the tragedy, which has the Pope sending his condolences to New York. We will also speak live on Newsline with a former FDNY commissioner. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has COVID after a New Year's trip to Miami ahead. What Florida's governor is saying about that? A big U.S.-Russia meeting today with America's top peacemaker saying if Russia invades Ukraine, there will be massive consequences. On Wall Street, half hour into the open and the Dow down 391 points. AccuWeather, sunny but cold today. A high temperature around 25, and then it falls into the teens. Wednesdays time, 10.01.
12: Time for traffic and transit. And happy Monday, Karen Stewart. Yeah, happy Monday, Bridget. We're going to the Bronx first. Cross Bronx on the westbound side. Again, at the Alexander Hamilton Bridge, there is another accident. Two center lanes blocked. One of them is a uh, tanker truck that's out there. So um, not surprisingly, it might not be quick uh, where this accident is cleared. So we are heavy on the Cross Bronx Expressway. On the Jam Cam here, the delays are going back to the Bronx River Parkway. We are also heavy on the northbound side of the Harlem River Drive trying to get up into the GW Bridge. We've got an accident there as well. So the inbound George is fine. So is the inbound Holland and Lincoln as we check what you need to know about the bridges and tunnels. The Williamsburg is jammed inbound. The inbound 59th Street Bridge is pretty heavy and we are heavy on the westbound BQE from the LIE down to Flushing Avenue and then bumper to bumper from Flushing to Atlantic Avenue and the inbound Gowanus, BQE, eastbound is jammed from 39th Street up into Atlantic Avenue, like bumper to bumper. We're also very heavy still on the westbound Bell Parkway. Delay start at Rockaway Boulevard, and they go out to the area right before Cross Bay Boulevard. Things are very, very heavy there. The belt westbound at 130th, keep in mind, also has construction with various lanes closed. Uh, It just started, and it goes on until 2. Plus, on Staten Island, um, we do have an accident over on the west shore northbound at Fresh Kills. That thing's been there for while. And we do have slow traffic into the area. Traffic and transit every 10 minutes around the clock. I'm Karen Stewart on 1010 Winds.
7: It is a Monday. It is the 10th of January. You are listening to Newsline. I'm Bridget Quinn. And New York is a city in mourning on this Monday. Nine children are among the 19 killed in a fire in the Bronx which has Pope Francis offering his condolences, sending a telegram to Cardinal Dolan. It is the city's deadliest blaze since the Happy Land Inferno, where 87 people died in a fire in March of 1990. This morning, doctors are working to save the lives of several people gravely injured in the high-rise fire believed to have been started by an electric space heater. Some 200 firefighters responded. FDNY Uniformed Firefighters Association President Andrew Ansbro says the fire could have been put out faster if a number of firefighters had not been out sick with covid 1010 Winds Morning Drive anchor Lee Harris interviewed Mayor Adams and got his response.
4: We always do an analysis of the manpower to determine do we have the proper manpower responding. And I saw a good uh, level of police and firefighters on the scene and EMS employees. But we will continue to analyze to make sure we can always do a better job no matter what we do in
3: the city. So at this point, do you have any reason to believe that the crews were short? No, not at all.
7: Well, because the fire ripped through the whole building, firefighters, some working with a dwindling oxygen supply, found victims on every floor. Let's get more now from the scene of the tragedy from our Glenn Chuck. Glenn?
5: And Bridget, you know, when I uh, catch up with these residents now, one by one here, every single one of them has a story about how they got out of this building and it's so terrifying to listen and just to speak to these folks who've been here in this building, many of them for uh, many decades. In fact, I spoke with Tessie uh, who uh, lives with her husband on the fourth floor. has been here 31 years and said that that they just couldn't believe what's happening here. They're looking around outside trying to still find neighbors that are missing. She describes how she got out. It was a knock on the door from the FDNY.
10: I was making my breakfast at 11 o'clock and there was smoke coming up under the door. My brother asked me, what, what am I burning? And I said, I'm not burning anything. Then we saw the smoke coming up under the door. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I really don't
5: know right now. I had so many people calling me to make sure that we were okay. She's just staring out here, kind of looking at the building and wondering where her neighbors are, Bridget. Uh, they felt helpless, they said, when they watched neighbors who were trapped in the uh, stairways and the hallways. Then it took them hours, hopefully, to come out, and they never did. So, uh, again, these are the stories that we're seeing here. A lot of heartache, certainly, but they're getting a lot of help. And among those who will be visiting soon, we're told, uh, Cardinal Dolan uh, will also be here uh, to do what he can to try to... Uh, bring this community together. It's such a difficult time just watching somebody else right now uh, crying and hugging some of their neighbors. Bridget.
7: Yeah, the Cardinal heading over there, Glenn, after getting that message from the Pope this morning, by the way, about the help for the survivors. We will be talking live about that on Newsline coming up at 1015 with Bronx Congressman Richie Torres. Joining us live right now on Newsline is former FDNY Commissioner Thomas Vonesson. We thank you for being here. We've been hearing that a malfunctioning electric space heater is to blame. Mr. Van Essen. can you explain how that could cause a fire like this?
13: Well, describing it as a malfunctioning space heater, I'm not sure if that was the case or it was just in an overloaded socket. Um, they probably will be able to tell that with more study. But no matter what, normally what happens is people put a space heater into a, uh, an outlet that's designed for just that space heater, and um, they may have a television in it. They may have lights in it. They may have, who knows what else in it, and it just overloads and heats up next to a mattress that got that caught fire when it sparked, and then uh, you're off to the races with a, a tragedy. Mostly could have been prevented because it doesn't make any sense that that much smoke could get throughout that building if uh, doors were closed like they're supposed to be. It's supposed to be self-closing doors on the stairwells. Uh, We want people to go down the stairs, not use elevators. But first choice, we want them to stay in an apartment in a fire like that because it's a fireproof building. Stay in your apartment. Uh, I guess if they had better ways of communicating, we tried to get legislation over 20 years ago to get uh, voice messages through the speaker system and uh, hallways that the fire chief could tell everybody, stay in your apartment. The fire is on the second floor, the third floor. You're okay on the 10th, 11th, 12th. So there's, you know, there's things that can be done, but uh, this is unfortunately unnecessary, uh, horrible tragedy of so many people affected.
7: Yeah. About those doors, I, as far as I understand it, the older buildings don't have doors that automatically swing shut. And that might have been the pr- part of the problem here.
13: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, misinformation going around. I hear the owners saying the doors were self-closing. The fire commissioner said they were also. But... I, well, they were not sure about that apartment. So whether or not people you know, chopped the doors open or they were uh, working uh, improperly, it'll take a while to figure all of that out. That's, that's part of the investigation.
7: Does it make sense to you, though, from what you've heard about this, that uh, these would not have been self-closing doors, as the owners say?
13: No, it doesn't. It, it makes uh, total sense to me that they should be. Whether or not they were, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like the door it slams behind you, so they do things to prevent that from happening. Uh, you don't know. I mean, they'll have to they'll have to figure it out. To have that much smoke though throughout that building, uh, that's just not the way it's supposed to be.
7: We're also hearing that the building did have smoke alarms, but some of the residents who uh, were lucky enough to get out said that they ignored them because the alarms were so common. In that building, uh, we're on live with former fire commissioner Thomas Von Essen. What do you make of that, sir?
13: Well, we don't know if it's true or not. I mean, you hear that, you know, you hear so many things now after a fire like this. It's so tragic. Um, That'll be investigated if it's true then um, uh, you know it shouldn't be Um, there's, there's people who are responsible for that there's there's fire inspectors there's building inspectors there's those alarms are not supposed to be going off all the time why why are they going off There's smoke in the hallways smoke in the apartments while from cooking you can open your window and less than that so there's communication issues i think but a lot of folks in this building also that people were talking about yesterday i know the fire foundation and the fdny does a great job of educating the communities uh, on how to, you know, there's PSAs that are available. They'll be out all over the neighborhood today. Unfortunately, it's always after a tragedy, but there's PSAs and uh, available that uh, educate people and tell them what to do in these types of things. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a little bit of responsibility to make sure that that happens.
7: Do you believe that they would have been using the electric space heaters if they hadn't had a problem with not getting enough heat in the building, or is that something people just go ahead and do anyway?
13: Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I know my wife and I both have different versions of what warm and cold is. So I, you know, y- you could be in a bedroom, it's in the back, um, or a drafty window. So you get a space heater. It's usually not the fault of the space heater. It's, it's, it's being used improperly. And, um, That's usually the problem. Could it have been a defective or malfunctioning space heater? Absolutely.
7: Yeah. And um, before we go uh, back to the issue of those closing doors, bottom line, is it a violation to have a building like that where the doors do not close?
13: Well, again, you have to um, pull out the file. Somebody mentioned yesterday it was built on the federal guidelines. Uh, Some of the federal guidelines are different than the New York City uh, fire code. So you've got to pull out the file. You've got to check and see what they were required to have and whether or not it was inspected properly, whether or not they've had violations. You don't know any of that. It's unfair, really, to, um, you know, to to imply that anything was done wrong at this point until the investigation is complete.
7: We thank you so much for your time this morning. Former FDNY Commissioner Thomas Von Essen live with us on Newsline. Thank you.
13: You're welcome.
7: News time 10-11. Time for an update on traffic and transit. Here's Karen Stewart.
12: Well, let's start off with some good news. Long Island's big three are excellent. We look great on the LIE, Northern State, and the Southern State. Uh, no uh, mid-morning, late-morning construction has begun yet. We're doing well in Westchester, and we look great in Rockland County. We really do. And as we check what you need to know about the bridges and tunnels, uh, we're safe and good to go at the uh, Mario Cuomo. South and Westchester, northern of Rockland County, really no big problems. Now, over at the GW Bridge, uh, inbound GW Bridge is looking good. The outbound George Washington Bridge has between a 30 and 40 minute wait. From the Cross Bronx westbound, yes, there are construction, uh, going on on both levels back to Jersey. The Lincoln and Holland are 10 inbound and outbound. We've got road work on the Bronx-bound Throgsneck. The right lane is closed likely till about 3 o'clock this afternoon. And the Brooklyn-bound Verrazano's upper level has got construction there with a new traffic pattern going on. Outbound Pulaski Skyway Jerseyans over at, uh, the tunneling Traffic Circle into Raymond Boulevard and Newark construction in the right lane. And southbound 1 and 9 at 78. Accident over to the left-hand side. Northern suburbs, uh, the only uh, caveat that we've got to those great-looking Westchester County roadways, I failed to mention, is in Kent, which is still dealing with an accident investigation on 301 at Dixon Road. Other than that, again, we look great in Westchester and Rockland counties, no problems. All the major metropolitan commuter lines are good. We still have issues with an MTA investigation going on that are slowing down the Bronx-bound twos and both directions of the threes. I'm Karen Stewart. Next report in Lesson 10 on 1010 Wins.
7: Let's get the AccuWeather update and we are in for a cold afternoon. Meteorologist Matt Benz.
0: Yeah, those temperatures falling despite that sunshine that we're seeing right now. Falling down to around twenty five degrees for the start of this evening's commute, and there could be a flurry around as well, especially late afternoon into this evening. AccuWeather weather real field temperatures mostly in the teens for this afternoon. Tonight a flurry or two early, then it turns cold and breezy. Clearing skies low as sixteen degrees, real field temperatures near or below zero at times. Brisk and bitterly cold for tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow could be one of our coldest January days since 2019. A high of just 19 degrees factor in the wind. Real feels near zero in the morning, single digits for the afternoon. Good news. We warm up for Wednesday with some sunshine, a high of 36, and temperatures continue to rebound for Thursday with a high of 39, perhaps a late day flurry or snow shower as well. Currently, it's 28 degrees in Central Park. Northwest winds still howling, gusting to 25 miles per hour. Repeating, the current temperature is 28, falling down to 25 by the end of the day in Midtown. I'm meteorologist Matt Benz on New York's Weather Station. Ten Ten Winds,
7: and coming right up on Ten Ten Winds Newsline, we will speak live with the Bronx Congressman about help for the families devastated by that deadly fire, Monday, tenth of January, and let's continue our coverage on Newsline this morning of that horrible fire. In a high rise in the Bronx and joining us live on 1010 Winds Newsline is Bronx Congressman Richie Torres. Uh, Congressman, thank you for being here. I understand you are going to be announcing some new help for the victims and the families. Tell us what.
14: Well, I'm going to join my colleagues in announcing that we're coming together as a coalition. uh, To ensure that the victims have access to services, have access to housing, Um, But we also want to establish a legislative task force that will examine what policies can be put in place to improve fire safety in housing to prevent a repeat of history.
7: Right. Let's talk about fire safety a bit. And one of the focuses this morning is on that issue of whether the doors automatically close. As far as I understand it, newer buildings have to have those automatically closed closing doors so the smoke and fire doesn't spread through the building. Uh, the owners of this building say that the doors were self-closing. Can you shed any light on that?
14: Uh, the, the, the property owner has said that the doors were self-closing or were supposed to be self-closing, but that's the unanswered question at the heart of the investigation. As you know, the fire originated from a malfunctioning, electric heater in a duplex on the third floor of a 19-story building, Twin Parks Northwest. Uh, Both the apartment door and the stairwell door were left open, causing the smoke to spread rapidly and widely throughout the building. And since the building has no fire escapes, and since the stairwell was full of smoke, tenants had no means of escape, right? They were tenants who became seriously ill or died from severe smoke inhalation, from cardiac and respiratory arrest. So I have two messages. First, be careful with the use of space heaters, which is an extreme fire hazard. Uh, Heating fires are the second most common category of fires in homes, second only to cooking fires. According to the National Fire Protection Association, uh, most home heating fires involve the use of space heaters. And according to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, uh, there are 25,000 residential fires every year associated with the use of space heaters. In my opinion, the risk far outweighs the benefit of these space heaters, and people should avoid them altogether. Second, in the event of a fire, close the door, because closing the door means preventing the spread of the fire and the smoke. If the smoke and fire conditions are left to spread, Lives will be lost.
7: Right. And, and about the doors, Congressman, will your task force also be looking at any potential legislation to make older buildings have to upgrade to this automatic closing door system?
14: In my opinion, every single building in the country should have what I consider 21st century standards of fire safety, a sprinkler system, self-closing doors. Uh, safety knobs on stoves, a functioning smoke alarm and fire alarm system. Uh, These should be, these are essential features of fire safety that should be present in every building.
7: All right, Congressman Richie Torres, I wanted to ask you before we go, uh, do you have any insight as to whether the owners, not the owners, the tenants of this building, were using a space heater because they didn't have enough heat from
14: the owner? Uh, We received reports that there was, in fact, heat. But, you know, even if the landlord is providing the legal minimum of heat required, there are tenants who find that to be inadequate and who therefore will turn to a space heater to generate more heat. You know, there are tenants who are hypersensitive to the cold and therefore resort to the use of space heaters, which is an extreme fire hazard.
7: Right. And also, you're going to be announcing some help, some uh, non-perishable goods and and toiletries and such for the people who lost their homes.
14: Yeah, so my colleagues and I are going to allow our offices to function as collection sites, donation sites. So I'm collaborating closely with Borough President Vanessa Gibson, uh, with Council Member Oswald Felice, with Assembly Member Yudelka Tapia. Uh, so all of us are going to be collecting donations. Uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, don't uh, donations on behalf of the families.
7: All right, Congressman, and uh, we're going to have our our newsroom uh, be in touch with you and get information that we can put up on our website to help anybody affected by this. We thank you so much for your time. Congressman from the Bronx, Richie Torres, thank you.
0: Thank you. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone.